You're listening to Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Now, from the heart of Amish country, here's Troy and Howie. All right, well, Troy, here we are at another week of Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. And uh, I don't know, did you get a chance by any uh, by any means to... Uh, they had like a drive-in movie theater here in in Lebanon in Lebanon County, uh, where you can go watch Jurassic Park, and they had like a bunch of vendors in the field. It was actually kind of cool. It was at the uh, the area where they do the fairgrounds and such. Yep. So did you get? To I go? didn't. I, did, I didn't go, but I, know, I saw exactly what you were talking about. Oh, and actually, okay. I heard they had like a big dinosaur exhibit there and everything too, where you could kind of walk around and they had like little dinosaurs set up and stuff. You could get pictures with them. Okay, well, if so, that's the case, I did not see that, <laughs> but it, it's a possibility. I know somebody mm-hmm. brought in a, a Jeep that was a replica of the Jurassic Park uh, Jeeps Okay, uh, that I that I thought was kind of cool. Well, my son's a, a big nerd when it comes to – my youngest son's a big nerd when it comes to uh, Jurassic Park and Star okay. Wars and such. So he was all beside himself. You know, he was, Does, all, was he into the original Jurassic Park or the ones that were just recently redone? All of them. All of them. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's a huge follower, and he's like I like I said before, he wants to go to school for film and all that stuff. So when when that time comes, you know, he's he's like a huge follower of the different uh, directors and producers, and you know, he gets a little more in depth than I would when it comes to a movie. So, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, he was uh, in his glory, and uh, in fact, he even took his girlfriend uh, with us to the watch the the drive-in movie and yeah he was uh you would have never thought he had a girlfriend <laughs> based you, on how he you, was acting <laughs> you didn't see any dinosaurs in your rear view did you uh no i did not <laughs> <laughs> objects yeah. may be closer than they appear <laughs> yeah i know i know i remember that clip yeah, but it was kind of cool. I mean, the only thing I probably would have wished um, the screen was a lot bigger, or or at the very least have it set up a lot higher so cars can, mm-hmm. or so people can see over other cars. But uh, yeah. it was kind of a nice little gesture and a neat idea. What did the money go towards? Do you know? You know what? That I don't know. Um, I know it was like twenty five dollars per car load. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, they had vendors throughout, so there were food vendors. Um, you know, different craft and, you know, craft places and really a lot of, a lot of cool things out there. So. But. Well, speaking of cool things, um, my daughter, her, the, the uh, midget football league starts up today for her. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So she has her first game. Uh, you know, she obviously doesn't play. She's a cheerleader. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. Nice. We'll see how that goes. And, Hopefully the season will go without a hitch. And so we're starting to see a small taste of normalcy, huh? Yeah, a little bit. So, so with that but being said, are they are they limiting spectators there, or, or are they? They not? are. Okay. They're asking. At least the way our team's doing it is, um, they're asking basically just the home fans to kind of be there. Yes. And then at the away games, like you know, they'll want they'll want their home fans to be at their games and maybe the parents just kind of stay on the outside, maybe in a parking lot, watch or whatever, that type of thing um, for the away fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know how there's different groups, midget, pony, peewee, whatever. So they're not letting players or spectators in until that group's done. 
And then when that group leaves the field, then the next group will move in and mm-hmm. take their places. Okay. And then, you know, so we'll see. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, definitely. I know at the high school level, they're only allowing 250 total folks in the, uh, in the stadium, so to speak. Did high school football start up yet? No, I believe it starts up this Friday. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, because I usually hear something like, are, are they still having the Cedar Bowl and everything this year? I'm assuming, right? That I don't know for sure, because I think the okay. season was only, I think the season was supposed to start last week, so I don't know. That's what I thought. Yeah, it usually so, starts the first weekend of school, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, or the weekend before school, actually. So if they had the Cedar Bowl scheduled for that first week, that I could see either that being squashed or some way switched out with another scheduled game which mm-hmm. i don't know i mean you're not going to really profit off the cedar bowl anyway so they might have just scratched it for all i know yeah i, I mean i don't know about the profit it was more just the history and nostalgia of it you know yeah yeah well it usually draws because, a pretty packed stadium though yeah exactly so yeah <clears throat> so hey speaking of that though the nfl starts up this weekend yes so. it does yes it i does. guess technically thursday and you know what's sad is I don't know who my Steelers open up against, Troy. Really? Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm not even sure who they open up. But I think they play Sunday night. Okay. If I'm, if I'm you not know, mistaken. something tells me they play an NFC team, and I don't know why. But uh, yeah, you might be right. And uh, the uh, the Bills open up against the Jets. Okay. Uh, and it's it's in Buffalo, but. Next week, they go down to Miami and they play, and there's a little bit of... Some of the coaches aren't too happy about it because... Oh, because of Miami. Well, not, well, because they're allowing some fans there. Oh. And, and other places aren't, and, you know, some of the Bills coaches are like, like, it should be a uniform rule across the league. Like, some stadiums shouldn't have fans, some stadiums should. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would it, agree with that because I know Kansas yeah. City is allowing fans. Right. So, your Steelers play the Giants to open up, by the way. Oh, okay. And it's the Monday night game. Oh, it's Monday night. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah it tells so you how it should be an easy, easy dub to start the season. I would hope so. I, I can't. <laughs> What's going to tell me a lot is is how Ben Roethlisberger is throwing downfield. Yeah. You know, if he's yeah, able that's... to throw downfield and he's showing some strength behind his arm, then I'm, then I'm confident that the Steelers are going to play well this year. They yeah, gotta... I didn't know. Um... I knew that he had some uh, checkered character issues. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't know it was quite as de- as involved as it was, though. And apparently, like, he, well, apparently, like, some teammates didn't really like him so much, and he was yeah. kind of arrogant. And uh, um, I guess, well, he obviously had a rape charge on his on his. Uh, on his background at one point and uh well he came out he came out earlier this summer said he uh had a big addiction to pornography oh and wow. uh yeah 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 so apparently he had a quite the checkered uh history there it's kind of interesting it seems, like too, he cleans, but... it seems like he cleans some things up though so well i think that started out with him having a family is i think what cleaned that up you know he, okay. he now has children and a wife and um you know coming out of Coming out of uh, Ohio, not even Ohio State, but Miami of Ohio uh, mm-hmm. as a quarterback, and then playing in one of the most storied franchises, you know, 
he's he got a lot of notice and he got a lot of attention and uh and he started thinking wow you know what i'm bigger than life and yeah probably, probably in pittsburgh he he was or still is in some cases yeah well it wasn't, it wasn't even uh well he wasn't even supposed to start his rookie year no no he came and, in because uh, tommy maddox got hurt yep tommy and then, uh yeah and didn't was it even his rookie year that same year that all of a sudden there was that the big restaurant in Pittsburgh made that burger that they the called Roethlisberger. the Roethlisberger named it after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so, yeah his first year, he, and then think about it too. I think he went when it was all said and done. I almost think he might have went fifteen and one his first rookie like yeah, his first year. Yeah, it so, was. It was. You know, um, so yeah, he had a lot of things going behind him, and trust me, I was on his bandwagon with uh, with those stats and. Uh, yeah, so so he but had to, a lot but of. But to be fair, on. I don't really know how much he did as a rookie. You know. Yeah. It, it was he was more of a game manager at that point. Mm-hmm. He really was. Well, and you can't. And most rookies, that's all you really expect from. You know what I mean? And that was the that was the Bill Cower way back in the day. It wasn't True. to have the quarterback, the limelight, you know, the center focus. It was to have them support. And he had a good supporting cast back in the day. Yeah. You know, he had Jerome Bettis in his prime. Uh, you know, Heinz Ward, uh, Yancey Thigpen at the time. You know, it was a pretty good... Was he still there? Yeah, yeah. What about Plaxico? Plex came in a little bit later. Oh, he later. came later? Yeah. But, okay. um, but yeah, so he had a pretty good, um, you know, and had Mark Bruner and, uh, you know, some really yeah. good supporting cast and, a, and an amazing offensive line to boot. Yeah, and that uh, was always there. Yeah. Well, and, of course, their defense. Yep. And and think about it too. When he first came in as a quarterback, he was probably the uh, he was probably the exception to the rule when it came to size of quarterbacks. You know, uh, he was yeah. you know, what six four, six five. You know, two fifty. I think plus. he's bigger than that, isn't he? He might be. He might even be up to six seven. I don't know. But yeah. Um, but think about that. You know, with his size, that was odd back then. Yeah. You know, and then not only that, but he was able to kind of move around pretty well and and do a lot of escaping. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, I wouldn't really say he was a big scrambler or mm-hmm. anything running for yards, but he he always did find a way to to avoid the rush, yep. and extend the play. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. So, and then with that being with that being said, he you know it opened himself up to some big hits, but he was a big guy, so he could mm-hmm. take them. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and don't forget too, so, he had that nasty car uh, motorcycle accident. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so so that played a, a probably a role in his uh, his issues and and so mm-hmm. forth, you know. So because uh, I know the Steeler organization was not happy that he was riding motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that, that they were saying it could have been a breach of contract, and yep. yeah, there was yeah there was some things coming up there. But um, so yeah, football starts up this weekend, and uh, I get to go see my daughter today uh, here in a game. So That's that'll awesome. be great. So are yeah. they the Falcons? They are. Okay. They are. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, they they play. Um, not that anybody's going to know that doesn't listen around here, <laughs> but they play out in, at, at, at Cornwall. Okay. Uh, but they're actually listed as the Ebenezer Falcons. So. Oh, cool. So. So, so do, is there a home field at that school, Ebenezer School? No, it's at the Cor- it's at Cornwall School. Oh, okay. The, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a field right near the Cornwall Elementary School. Because so. I know there, I know they do the. Uh, well, you know this because of the radio station, but they. Mm-hmm. I would always see during football season all these little kids yeah. practicing and playing outside the window. I, I think they used to play there, but I think what happened is Cornwall and Ebenezer combined. 
Oh, okay. And I think they kept the Ebenezer name instead of the Cornwall name. So gotcha. Okay, well, good luck to your your daughter. And, yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah, hopefully you guys will have a a good season and a, a complete season. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, you know what? That kind of brings us uh, up to our next point of topic, and that would be our mystery clip. Yes. So, uh, in our mystery clip, uh, I know you you were throwing out a couple of options here, but I like the option mm-hmm. that uh, we kind of agreed on. Yeah. And uh, and that is uh, Dolores, and forgive us if we pronounce it wrong, but I think we got it right. Dolores O'Reardon of the Cranberries, and you want to give a little bit of a, a talk up of that one, Troy? Yeah. So, um, Dolores, um, she. First of all, I just absolutely loved her voice, always did. Um, it's just so unique, and um, she's from um, <laughs> you know Ireland, what? obviously. You know? Yeah. What's that? Um, and, and also, we're kind of giving it away before we even give the clip, aren't we? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know That's what? all good. That's all good. We'll, um, we'll fit it in there somehow. I'll tell you what. Let's... I'll tell you what. Since we de- <laughs> since we're talking about it and stuff before we got into it, let's uh, let's let's hear from her and then we'll come back. To there talk we about go. About Perfect. That. Yeah. There we go. We'll spoil it. But hey, who cares? It's it's all about good music, right? So Absolutely. He- so here is Dolores O'Riordan of the Cranberries. <laughs> that was interesting uh, yeah but anyway so uh but yeah so that's uh that's dolores uh O'Riordan of the cranberries and uh yeah she's a uh, man her voice is awesome i, I really like it that, that it really style is of um, voice and i think i'm attracted to that when it comes to female singers um um when it comes to different you know geez. i almost always enjoy a good female vocalist over a male vocalist, almost always. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but yeah, she was, uh, t- t- you know, today as we're recording, uh, today would have been her birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was born to September 6th, 1971 in Limerick, Ireland. Wow. Really? Not and, that old. Um, no, not even, no, not lost, even in her fifties yet. No, no, we lost her, uh, January 15th, 2018. She was only 46 and, um, she drowned, Due to uh, intoxication from alcohol, um, I think there was some other things mixed in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what a, what a shame! Um, she was actually over there to record, and um, she was in she was in London, England, I should say. Um, hmm. The the clip that we played there is "Zombie," and. It just got recently redone by a band called Bad Wolves, and they were actually set to record that with her. Yeah. And when she passed, they recorded it on their own, 
and released it just uh, just days after after she had died. I think it was January 18th is when they released it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so many great songs by the Cranberries. I think a very underrated band. And, um, you know, I don't know. I'm going to miss hearing her voice uh, with, with some new new songs and stuff because she was she was a favorite. Yeah, and you know the so, chorus of the, the song Zombie is that, that sticks in your head. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You absolutely. Know, um, she she kind of reminds me of like that, that group of female singers, and I, I'll throw like a, an Alanis Morissette in there. Mm-hmm, you know, someone mm-hmm. with such a distinct voice, when you hear her, you know who it is and uh absolutely it's yep. really cool so but uh yeah yeah not really you know the same unique i'm trying to think when you compare like these awesome women voices you, you know you got like the whitney's and the yeah. mariah's and stuff like that and she's on that level but in a different sense yeah you know what i mean yep like she doesn't have this crazy wide you know a range of uh up and down and what all these falsettos and all that kind of fun stuff. She's not hitting the high notes anytime soon. No, but she just, just her uniqueness and her, I don't know, just, uh, I I don't know what else to say. She was just a favorite Mm -hmm. of mine. I just, I just loved the way she sang. Um, yeah, so most definitely. So yeah. So Dolores, uh, O'Riordan gone way too soon, died at the age of 46 and, uh, Mm -hmm. She would have been, uh, well, she would have been 49 today. Yes, she would have. Yes, she would have, so. It's a shame. Yep, and she left behind three little ones, too. Yeah. So. What a shame. Well, you know what? Uh, Going into our next guest uh, this week, uh, you know, you want to talk about leaving behind. uh, You know, he he lost an entire family to this uh, disease that uh, he's going to be talking about. In fact, uh, you know, he's sort of a rarity when it comes to this uh, because he even had a uh, heart transplant uh, after, you know, not after, but he's always had this, uh, what is it, hypotrophic cardiomyopathy. That's what I have, yeah. Okay. Also called HCM, uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Yep, that's the same thing I see here. Um, Yeah, it's... he explains it a little bit more too, but in, in the uh, little quick description I pulled up here, it's a condition in which the heart muscle becomes abnormally thick, and it makes it hard for the heart to pump blood. Mm-hmm. And um, as as we were talking with him, sometimes it even goes undiagnosed because uh, a lot of people don't even know they have it. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, until and it's too late. Man, what a what a thing to wake up to one day, you know, where you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's something going on with my heart, and then you go to the doctor. And then you find out that you have something like this to the point yep. where you got to now be put on a list to get a heart yep. transplant. And man, what a what a change of life, or you mm-hmm. know, just a turnaround of one day you feel okay, the next day you feel like you're ready to die. Yeah, you know. And uh, well, luckily for him, I mean, what was it? Six years ago, I believe, is when he got this. Um, I believe he said 2014. Yeah, yeah. so it was about yeah. six years ago. He got this heart transplant, and uh, he's been doing, you know, well. Obviously, there's always those little side effects where he's not feeling well at all times, but uh, but overall, he's alive, you know. And, yeah. And he talks about the heart transplant. He even talks about his donor um, because, and that seems kind of rare to me, anyway. That to even know. Yeah, I much, thought that was odd, also. Yeah, to to know as much about your donor as you do, and and he he actually knows quite a bit about his donor. 
and it was interesting to hear how he found uh, all that information out and so forth. So, uh, but I think it'll be a good interview, or I think it was a good interview, and I think uh, you'll you'll learn a lot from this, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about it after the interview. Um, yep. And then uh, we'll kind of go from there. So stay tuned as uh, we listen to Brian Ditzler. Uh, who is a uh, Central PA uh, local here, and uh, he'll be talking about not only having a heart transplant, but also living with HCM and uh, so much more. And uh, we'll listen to Brian right after these messages. A live in-studio guest, uh, Brian Ditzler, uh, and he hails all the way from uh, down the road. Down the road. (laughs) Down the road uh, (laughs) from my house here. And... uh, so, Troy, I uh, want you to meet Brian Ditzler, and uh, Brian Ditzler, meet Troy. How you doing, Troy? Good. How are you doing, Brian? Nice to meet you. Excellent. Good. So, uh, so anyway, uh, I didn't realize you were a regular listener of ours, but, uh, but you know, you have a real interesting story, and uh, I guess you and I, we date back from back in the Cub Scout days. Oh, way back. You know, back when, in, back uh, in the old days. Yeah, back in the old days when my, uh, <laughs> when my kids were in Cub Scouts and... You know, that's probably, what, 10, 15 years ago oh, now. Yeah, at least. At least you know 15, what, at least, maybe, because yeah. I think I knew you right at the time we started building this well, house. Be, yeah, because Leanne. Yeah. Leanne was 17 years then, yeah, wow. I did not know I knew you that long. Man, and I'm you still friends. Yeah, and I'm still <laughs> friends with you. What the heck? I, I don't get it. I didn't, I didn't upset you yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but obviously, we didn't want to just bring him on just because we're friends with him, Troy. Uh, we had, no. We had we other agendas. We bring family on just because. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's reasons for bringing family on. It means you guys got some kind of checkered past or, yeah. uh, or you got something to share. And, some dirty uh, secrets. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so uh, anyway, you know, I got to talking to Brian for a little bit, and there, there's a couple things I didn't even know uh, besides what we're going to really dive into. And uh, one of the things was uh, you're a Milton Hershey kid. Yes. And uh, Milton Hershey is, uh, what is that? It's a school for underprivileged kids uh, well, that have come from situations that are a little adverse. Yeah, I think that's kind of how it's set up now. But years ago, when back in, I think I started there like 1973. Okay. And back then it was basically um, if you had a father or a mother that had passed away, they would take you in. Okay. But, you know, it was, you know, you, they just didn't take everybody. It was sort of like an aptitude test to get into it. Oh, wow. I don't remember what that was. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And Milton Hershey obviously was started up by the founder of Hershey, Milton Hershey himself. Yeah. And, and he uh, didn't have any children either. So yeah. That was the whole reason they started the school because they wanted to have children and they couldn't. So it, it first started off as a as like basically almost like a foster school for right. boys. Yeah, and then eventually, obviously, it opened up to, to girls as well. Yeah, that um, that was I think about, I don't know when that happened, like seventy six, seventy seven, maybe. Oh, really? Well, the girls when the, when the girls were allowed to join. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure of the year, but I just know we got dispersed yeah. from the uh, home I was in at the time. Okay. Oh, wow. I think it was like 20 years ago I was uh, in Orlando, Florida. Uh, In fact, I was going from my hotel to Disney, and the hotel that I was staying in, they they gave us free shuttle service. And the the driver of the van, he actually went to Milton Hershey. Oh, wow. And uh, and he was telling me that, you know, I think he was in his early 20s, and he was saying that even to this day, 
uh, Milton Hershey, they still like they still hook him up. Oh wow! You know, with like schooling and such, and like if you know, yeah, they I think would... they they do that for the graduates. I didn't graduate from there. I had my mother had gotten remarried and pulled me out. Okay. Uh, like, uh, junior high. Oh near, wow! Near the end of junior high. Okay. Interesting. So, but yeah, so uh, so you you had a situation, and you said your father died. Yeah, yeah, he died in nineteen seventy. Oh, two. Okay. Or seven, end of 73, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And he had actually had the same heart condition that the rest of uh, the family is, was plagued with. Oh, wow. And what and what is that heart condition actually called? Uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Oh, my God. And, and what is that exactly? Mm, basically, enlarging of the heart, thickening of the septum wall. That basically closes down the left side of the chambers. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so you don't get any uh, blood flow basically out that side. It really has to work mm-hmm. hard. Okay. So it's ob- so obviously you said your father had it. The rest of your family. So it's obviously a hereditary thing. Yes, that's what they that's um, what they say. I mean, yeah. if I do a genetic marker, genetic testing, I think that would probably show a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. So is that something um, they caught pretty early in you, or? Well, this is a funny story. I'm not even sure. I probably should have asked my mother back in the day. <laughs> but yeah. For some reason, my father was able to get looked at and cared for down at NIH in Bethesda, Maryland, the National Institutes of Health and Technology. Okay. They were doing a study and following people with this disease, and he happened to get into this program, which then involved all the children that he would have. Oh. which would be myself, my older sister, and my younger sister. And they were following him his whole life until he had passed. And then they were, were following us. And now my older sister, they found that she had it early, probably from birth. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with my younger sister. But mine didn't develop till probably I was past, you know, my past 19, 20. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I may have had it earlier, but... Nothing was bothering me at the time, and I didn't mm-hmm. show any symptoms, so there was no need to really warrant a checkup. So yeah. Speak, so. Okay. Wow, that's interesting. Um, so, and you know, to dig a little bit, your whole entire family is gone. Is gone, and they all passed away from that heart disease, yes. except for my mother. She had passed away of cancer. Oh, okay. Okay, but she also. And, and I, so it obviously, if it is hereditary, it obviously came down from your father's side. Yes. Okay. But right. my grandfather and my grandmother on that side never showed any signs of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So, so how does one get noticed, or how do they even realize that they even have something like that? Well, there's a lot of, I guess, uh, signs. Maybe like heaviness in the chest, uh, some palpitations. Mm-hmm. Um, lightheadedness, dizzy, passing out kind of symptoms that go along with this if it's at a progression of where it's going to cause some issues. Yeah. You know, you, ever, you know the sports players that die of sudden death? Mm-hmm. Probably mm-hmm. most of those, they say, had had hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or a cardiomyopathy of some sorts. Oh. Right. That they died from. Okay. It's, they call it sudden death. You just drop like that. Interesting. Bed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know. Do you remember the that, Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, yeah. Is that oh, okay? Yeah. Is that what he had? Yeah. And what was that, his name? I forget what his name was, but he played. Remember, he played for Minnesota. I believe he was a lineman, 
and uh, and during during the uh, training camp, he just dropped over dead. I do remember hearing about this. Yes. Yeah, and it was because and of I, that disease. And I think the family tried to sue because they said it was probably wasn't that when they tried to say that it was from heat exhaustion. Yeah, though? yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't I don't remember the name, but okay. Um, Cor- yeah, Corey Stringer. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's it. Yep. yep. Corey Stringer. So, um, wow. I didn't realize that he was uh, he was a victim to yeah, that. And this disease isn't prejudiced. It likes everybody. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and so I how, guess, go ahead, Troy. I was just, how, how does a doctor? Obviously, you're having symptoms. So what what do they do to check to say yes, this is what you have? Well, what you do is they do an echocardiogram or an EKG where they stick all the little mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. stickers all over you and. Uh, Put the electrical leads on you, and they run it through the paper. They can see. Uh, not, I don't know what the technical name for all that is, but uh, right. they can see a, a different uh, wavelength in your heartbeat, like an elongated I got heartbeat, or or not a where you know you see up and down, up and down, up and down. They can right. see that some are shorter, some are longer. They're not perfectly heartbeats. You mm-hmm. know? Gotcha. No rhythm. Right, and then they, the EK the echocardiogram is where they kind of uh, put that little Doppler radar thing on you and mm-hmm. they can mm-hmm. see inside your body kind of like they, when you go get uh, like a sound like a sonogram oh yeah yeah oh, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. basically kind of so i'm going to describe it as like a sonogram for your heart and they can see all your valves and the function like an ultrasound like a live like live Live video mm-hmm. of it, uh, watching the, right. the valves go back and forth, your heart constricting and pumping. And they can actually measure your chambers with the technology wow. of that machine. Interesting. And wow. they, can measure Does... the, they can measure the the thickness of the wall that separates the chambers. Mm-hmm. And that's how they can tell. Does any of that require an EP study where they go up through your legs and such? Mm-hmm. Like through your arteries and, and your veins? and Well, I've had the EP stuff already, and that was just more or less to check the where if you're having electrical. See, electri- there's a lot of problems that go with this heart disease. Electrical issues, uh, just pumping issues in general, and the EP will find out if you're having electrical shorts anywhere. Gotcha. And sometimes I had a defibrillator put in where it would kick in if my heart rhythm would go over a certain range and then mm-hmm. it would okay it would cardiovert me basically back into rhythm shock me back into rhythm right right and if it found that it was wasn't beating fast enough it would pace you or if you're having too many elongated beats too many seconds in between beats it would kick in and cause an, a beat for you hmm. to pump so, so so when was it and like when when in your lifetime did you say or when did you realize that you know what there's an issue here and I might need to go get checked out because this doesn't seem right Well that was probably in 1987 okay <laughs> I just did I was just tired and just dizzy and just felt like a heaviness you know on my chest yeah kind of. and uh that's when uh, my mother had told me, well, maybe we ought to make an appointment to go down to NIH, and that's what we did. Oh, wow. Okay. 
And then uh, even in 1987, how how did they like do the test to find out? Well, that was prehistoric stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. So well, what did they do? Well, it was the same thing. They would do the EKGs and echoes and stress tests. They run run you on a have you hooked up to an EKG machine and run mm-hmm. you on a treadmill, and to see how your heart would function. Okay. And wow. When you were done with the treadmill, they'd shoot you up with the uh, like a like a radioactive dye and then do that echo on you. Yep. To, and then it would show, to see how it's all flowing. Yeah, and it'd show the blood flowing through the heart then. Hmm. And they could travel. They could they could track that through your body. Okay. So once once they found this in you and they confirmed it, um, what what was kind of the step from there? Was there? I mean, medication is all they. And does, really is bad. that just that's just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it it just helps. It's not obviously going to cure it, right? Right. So it's just yeah. a it prolong, just prolongs everything. Yeah. And right. I guess their hopes were to maybe have it controlled enough that you could live. A normal life, and I did for a while like that. I was just gonna say because when I when I knew you or when I first met you, you seemed to be a normal, healthy person. Well, not normal, but well, not normal. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, I should, context, I, right? yeah, I stand corrected. My bad. Uh, but yeah, you definitely weren't normal, but you definitely seemed like a um, a healthy person, and I was relatively. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just it was. There were some issues there. I mean, the meds weren't nice to your body. They mm-hmm. make you tired, make you crazy. Mm-hmm. They just. What were some of the side effects other than being Waking. tired? Nah, a little of that and hair falls out. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's called age. Yeah, that too. Kids, not kids. <laughs> yeah, and kids. Well, you know what? Speaking of kids, um, how much are you worried about? Your gene being passed down to them a lot, a lot, really, okay. because they we had them ever since we had kids. They've gone to the Hershey Medical Center for to the children's part of it, uh-huh. uh, and I'm going to mention the doctor's name. His name sure. is Doctor Siren. He's the one that watches those kids. Oh, and, okay. And so far, nothing. And Good. he actually suggests doing a genetic testing to see if they have markers to be predisposed predisposed to mm-hmm. getting this okay so are you gonna do that it's expensive uh, i don't know okay um, <laughs> how much is it i don't know i didn't ask i just know it's expensive <laughs> yeah okay but, i didn't i didn't know expensive <clears throat> meaning you gotta take a loan out or well, you might have to sell a kidney or something i don't know <laughs> yeah but yeah it's and it might be worth doing but i mean th- none of them really have any problems Mm-hmm. Not like I had at their ages, because they're all at the age where things should should have already happened. I see. Not saying it won't have, it can't, or it won't happen down the road. I I don't know that. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how the progression finishes out as you get older. Yeah. Maybe the further you're out, the safer you are. I don't know. Okay. I wish I did. Yeah. I wish I had answers I for that, for them too, because I I know they worry because. They've seen what I went through. Yeah, yeah. You know? So so kind of being like the only survivor of your family, yeah. uh, you know, does that kind of give you any type of guilt remorse? No, or? there's a lot. There's a lot of darkness there. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And well, Yeah, go ahead. Well, when did you lose your sisters? Well, let's see. I'll start with my father. I, I, I think it was 1972 when he passed away. Okay. And, he, and he was what age? 33. And how old were you? Oh, my gosh. I was seven. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. And then my older sister, 
Karen, she had passed away in uh, 1984, mm-hmm. and she was 21. Wow. Sheesh. And then my younger sister, Tracy, she was like seven or eight years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. She had passed away in 2004, and she was 29. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. That oh, is absolutely insane. That is. And I'm 54. I've made it this long. Yeah. <laughs> I have no... That's, yeah. where, that's where the, I think the guilt lies. I, mm-hmm. should, I don't know if it's guilt or just maybe survivor's remorse. Yeah. Of how did I manage to survive this long before... Uh, I had this transplant on October 14th, mm-hmm. ni- uh, 2014. Yeah. So how did I survive that long with this heart disease, that was really, really bad. Yeah, like you were well into yeah, your so, 40s. So, yeah, because even before you got the transplant, which we didn't even get into. No, so, not yet. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but before you got the transplant, what, you're still 48 years old, right? Right. So, like, you still lasted, you know, half as long as your sisters have. Yeah. Uh, or twice as long, twice, I should yeah. say. Yeah. So, yeah, what... I get, I get what you're saying there. What exactly was different that it didn't affect you as much as it did them? I mean, and obviously there, there are probably really, you know, no answers unless you would dive into it and start doing some dissecting. But Yeah, and the only thing, you know, maybe it was lifestyle. I don't know what their lifestyles were. I mean, I kind of knew, but knew some of it, but mm-hmm. I don't know at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a good, have a good wife who kind of, keeps me in check <laughs> yeah yeah despite I what i do to myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah did um did, did they i mean obviously your your uh older sister was what did you say 21 uh 21 when she had passed yeah. so she she probably didn't have any family yet at that point no or, no she her own family no no family none of them had any family yet so. okay okay so, so i didn't know if your younger sister might have started having families by nope, that point or no nope, she did not so did they did they know what was going to eventually happen? I think we all have that in our minds. Okay. I, I mean, at least my family did anyway. Yeah. My siblings and myself, it's like, well, you know, we're all going to be dead soon, so it doesn't really matter. Right, but, right. So you go 100 mile an hour. I see. I was going to say, does that make you live a little bit more carelessly? Maybe back then, but now, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, now you're like, hey, I got, I got li- a, a I got, new lease of life. Yeah. I'm, and the thing of it is, you're not... You're not only surviving for yourself, but you're doing it out of respect of the donor who actually was a absolutely, donor. absolutely. Right. You know, you kind of got to honor that also. Well, so let, let's get I was going to say you let's, spilled the beans yeah. a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, with that being said, you know, um, basically with your heart disease, the only way for you to survive at that given time was you needed a heart transplant. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, and I know yeah. I I was interacting with you a lot. Um, during those times, well, that whole year of two thousand fourteen, yeah. and I you was were thirteen. I was done. You were done. I mean, you were frail. You were like just skin and bones, I and couldn't walk anywhere. And, yeah, you were a mess. And uh, in fact, you couldn't walk ten feet. Yeah, I was gonna say from here to the end of the driveway without probably passing out. Passing out, and uh, and then I'm, you saw me at my worst. So. Yeah, I did. And honestly, and you know, I can say this now, but you at that I time, was a goner, didn't yeah, you? <laughs> I didn't expect you to be around the following year. No, you know, and a lot I, of people didn't. Yeah, and if anything, I was really feeling bad for your children yeah. and your wife. You know, oh, yeah. and your wife is, you know, phenomenal. I, yeah, she is phenomenal. <laughs> she is the strongest woman that uh, that probably many of us know, and uh, and she's. 
Yeah, and she's uh, able... What's she doing with me? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, there must be something positive out of you. Um, but yeah, so, but, you know, you were on Death's Door, and why don't you share with... that door. Yeah, yeah, share with Troy, like, you know, you obviously you ended up getting a heart transplant. Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, and, and from that heart transplant, what things had to happen for you to be a match to get that yeah. transplant and not only that like when did you kind of when did they kind of say hey you need to get on this list and, and we're going to get you on this list like, well, well here's a funny story five years before i actually got put on the list i had actually switched to hershey's heart clinic because it's mm-hmm. just a better situation for me mm-hmm. and the first thing pretty much the uh my doctor told me dr pop Jez, told me he goes uh you're gonna need a transplant somewhere down the road <laughs> and i looked right. at him and went what <laughs> i don't even know you and you're telling me i'm gonna need a <laughs> yeah, transplant right <laughs> so that was the start of it but there was no definite answer as far as when or or how it was going to happen mm-hmm. and at the time i was still fairly good that was back in probably 2000 i'm gonna say five six somewhere around there mm-hmm. and I was still functioning working well and just doing what I wanted to do and and just living life and then you know a couple of years later I, I, it just things happened that you just I don't know what triggered it you know it just I started feeling worse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know couldn't do as much tired more you know but the medications changed they tried different medications and those just weren't helping and things like that it just I kept having a lot of rhythm issues extra heartbeats, fast rhythms, uh, maybe even a lot of pauses that, you know, too much delay that make you pass out and get dizzy and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to probably jump ahead here a little bit, but by mm, 2012, I was feeling really, really bad. Having trouble working. I remember having a lot of rhythm issues they would, I, I would, I would, I'd call them speeders. They'd go to, and I had a defibrillator, an ICD put in back in 2005. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I was on my second one. I burned the other one out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Those things hurt when they shock you, by the way. It's like, <laughs> it's like getting kicked in the chest by a mule. Wow. Oof. And I think I got shocked by that thing about 27 times. <laughs> All awake, too, by the way. Oh. <laughs> jeez. Well, I would imagine if you were asleep, it'd wake you up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. And I was telling, just a little side story here, I was telling uh, him about uh, uh, an incident that I had when I was fishing. And I I caught a a fish, and I bent down to pick it up, and I got shocked by this defibrillator. And (laughs) it was the first time, too, and I didn't know what happened. I thought I got, I was looking up, thought I got hit by lightning. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't know if you were being summoned, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Howie started laughing. I was like, yeah, I didn't know I was getting hit. I didn't know what happened. I'm looking around and see if somebody got me with something or what. Yeah, right. You were tased. Yeah. Who's throwing tasers at me now? (laughs) But anyway. So, so when, so when did you get added to the list? When let's. I got added to the list probably in 2000. The beginning of 2014. Oh, okay. I was because at right at the end of 2013, I was having a lot of issues. I was in and out of the hospital probably half a dozen times or so, just with uh, fluid buildup going into what they call flash pulmonary edema, and you you couldn't. My lungs were filling up with fluid. I couldn't breathe. It's like you know right. gurgling water out of your lungs basically. Oh, wow. 
drowning in your own fluid as they call it right and that's what happened to me every time that i would go into the hospital i spent a good part of the 2014 13 and 14 in Mm -hmm. the hospital probably a good Mm. nine ten months (laughs) oh wow in and out of there and i know they were gonna add me to the list sometime in february but something happened to me that i ended up uh you can ask Leanne about this one because she's the one I think called the ambulance okay. for me. Because Leanne's I was, a neighbor. <laughs> I was dead on the driveway when the ambulance picked me up. Oh wow! And she was in a panic attack. Mm-hmm. I remember. <laughs> I think she wrecked her car too. Oh jeez! Oh my gosh! But yeah, it was. Uh, I ended up being. They put me in an induced coma for like I think my wife said twenty some days up at Hershey. Oh wow! And I was hooked up to all kinds of balloon pumps and yeah, ECMO or whatever and. Just, she said it just looked like something out of, you know, Frankenstein with you know, <laughs> IVs hanging everywhere and yeah. tubes and wires going everywhere. Whew. And then I, they didn't put me on the list then because I was too sick. So you had to be, you have to be healthy enough to get a transplant, but sick enough to be on the list. I'm not sure where that. Yeah. I'm not sure where that line's at. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> so after I kind of got better and after February and I didn't really know how long I was in the coma because I thought it was just I was only there at the hospital I woke up and I was I thought it was just the next day and here it was 20 some days later <laughs> oh my goodness wow I missed I missed Valentine's Day Levi's birthday and okay I think it was March when I woke up <laughs> wow Levi's your son yes okay and uh um uh, so and and I don't know. I always want to ask people this, but like when you are in a coma, you know, do you even know you're in a coma? No, but I think I I seen the other side. Okay. <laughs> and and how do you feel like you saw the other side? Like what was happening? Well, this is a strange uh deal for me to but I felt somebody had me by my hand walking okay. me down a path to where a gathering of people were i couldn't see faces or anything and it just sounded like geese gaggling huh and a light coming straight down and emanating out around them but as i got closer to them another loud voice came over and said you need to go back it's not your time yet and then i woke up oh wow (laughs) wow yeah (laughs) yeah I couldn't even imagine, like, especially after waking up, like, what is your thought process then? Oh, not much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. So when, when you get out of this coma, you get home, uh, this is, I guess, I'm guessing it's sometime in this time frame is when they finally add you to the list. Yes. Yes. And this, so this is what, March, April-ish? March, March, April-ish. Yep. And what year is this again? 2014. Okay. And when when do you get the phone call, and how does this well, roll down? What happened was in, uh, I'm going to say, April, I was back in the hospital again. Because apparently you shouldn't be eating a lot of salty things when you got potential getting pulmonary edema. Because mm. the, the salt <laughs> makes you retain fluid, then you fill it with fluid, then you can't breathe, and then you go back in the hospital. So okay. I was in the hospital again Yeah. in April for another three weeks or so. Mm. And then I think I was back in again in July again for another month and mm-hmm. then I had another issue back in August and then that's when I spent August, September and October laying in bed in the hospital mm-hmm. waiting for I wasn't going to leave until either two things happened transplant or perish oh wow 
So what is uh, what, like what is your mindset when you're laying in that hospital then at that point? Are you thinking this is it? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. It's just like oh, I'm just waiting for the end. Yeah, because wow. they have you pretty much had me basically hooked up to a couple medications. They I forget what they call them, debutamine and, mm-hmm. and and something else that basically make your heart constrict and pump blood because mine yeah. wasn't doing it. Yeah, without wow. those, I probably wouldn't survive. Okay. And and while you're laying in that hospital bed, are you like, <clears throat> what is your mindset? Like, are um, you in a decent mood? Or are you extremely depressed? Or I'm just or dazed you... because I, I just had no function really. Yeah, I just, you were just laying there. I barely remember the wife and the kids there. You know, I just don't remember a lot going on. I do remember them telling me they had turned down a heart because it wasn't viable enough for their purpose because they don't. They try Hershey tries to give you good stuff. Yeah, they don't want to have to bring you back to get another one. Okay. Yeah, to. and that's where you were, Milton Hershey yes. Medical Center. That's it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so so uh, so walk us through that then. So you, they actually turned down not only just one, but I think uh, they turned down another one too. Then because there was uh, it might have been. I'm not trying to get drugs involved in any of this, but I think that a lot of times they get a lot of overdoses that are donors or their family donates it. And uh-huh. mm-hmm. they're probably not always the best candidate for donors because drug users have a lot of damage to their I was organs. Say, yeah. Right. Even in a short period of time, mm-hmm. from what I'm told. So, Sure. And then I had physically turned one down because they, I think it was a young man that got in a car accident. I think he actually got hit by a vehicle. Mm-hmm down towards Philly area. Oh, okay. And they said the heart was okay, but it was bruised. Oh. So they did, they couldn't tell me with 100% accuracy that it was going to recover itself. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm only doing this once. I'm going to turn this down. I'll wait for a good one. If I don't get one and I, and I perish, then I won't ever know. I was just going to say how, like... <laughs> yeah, it's hard to turn something I'll be, down. Yeah, honestly, if I were you, like, and I'm just speaking on my behalf... If I'm laying in that hospital bed, here's a million bed, dollars for you. Yeah, Take it or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm laying in that bed, and they say, "Hey, just want to let you know. I know you're on death's door, but we do have a drug addict who just died. But it's a match, heart wise. I'm thinking, bring that heart here <laughs> because I don't want to die. You know, that would be my mindset. Right. And and yeah, the first two, just, I didn't have a choice. I think they actually physically turned them down. Okay. Themselves. <laughs> yeah. But the third, that third one, they opt, they gave, they gave me the opportunity for it. And okay. For someone, for some reason, I turned it down. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Do, do you know about how long between these that they're happening, or no? I like these opportunities. How how often are these opportunities coming up? I, not very. I mean, it just this all happened probably in the span of the whole time I was in the hospital from the uh, from August to. The day I got that transplant, so mm-hmm. somewhere in that two, three months time frame, these came about. Mm-hmm. Because the whole time before, I never really had any offers. They call it, mm-hmm. which sounds weird. You got yeah. an offer, yeah, right. That's all I got. So, so let's let's get to the good one then. Well, the good one comes in. <laughs> I, I, my, I have vague recollection of this because my mind was not completely there when I'm told that they have a viable heart for me. Mm. And I want to say it was sometime in the afternoon of the 13th mm-hmm. of October. And by the time they took the team down to North Carolina to, they call it Harvest, 
which yeah. is a little creepy. Yeah, it is. Uh, to harvest the heart out because it's the last organ that comes out because oh. you got to keep the body alive for all the other ones. Interesting. For all the other teams that come down to get whatever parts they want. Right. still creepy. Yeah, that is very creepy how that works. <laughs> so I called the wife and told her, I'm not even sure what time that was. I should have brought her here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know it was sometime after midnight on the 14th that this thing was installed. <laughs> oh, okay. But they actually flew a jet down to get it mm-hmm. and bring it back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And uh, what about that person who passed away? How, how did that person die um, that created that match for he you? He was a 28-year-old man from uh, Vanceboro, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, his name was Norquil Campbell. Oh, wow. Uh, his fa- his Actually, his parents, I guess, had a tobacco farm down there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And how old was he when he passed? He was 28. Okay. He had got, he was visiting his girlfriend from what I was told on his four-wheeler. He would go back and forth mm-hmm. to visit her and he'd cross like a normal state country road. Sure. All the time. And this one time there happened to be a pickup truck. And wow. he got hit. Wow. And I'm not sure exactly. He might've got hit a couple of days before and until the, until the uh, parents had released the, to the, the body to gift of life. I don't know. Okay. Um, so oh, isn't there some, um, legalities or such with, um, not supposing to know the donor or no, how, how you, does that? Yeah. You don't really, you have to write to the gift of life organization and they sent a letter to that organization organization in the other States or wherever it came from. And, 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 uh, the the organization in North Carolina is called Gift Anew or Life Anew. Mm-hmm. Life Anew, I think it's called. Okay. And they corresponded back and forth with letters and they would send it to that particular family and they would write or write back and send something back. And and until you get that done a few times and you get an agreement and then there's a release form that you have to sign and they would have to sign for you to personally communicate back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's in the process where I'm at now. Okay. The release forms are signed. Just waiting to do some more corresponding. And hopefully after this uh, pandemic. pandemic is over, I can go down to North Carolina for a visit. Okay. Are they are they wanting you to visit? Or are I, they... I think they're pretty receptive. Mom, the mother still has a hard time losing her son. Sure. Which, of course, is, you know, reasonable. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. But... Uh, I think there's some hope there that we could uh-huh. meet up. Okay. Do, do they know how many lives he saved? I don't know if they know. The Gift of Life people may know, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know what I got out of it, and I don't know. You know, they could they come from all over to get these things. Yeah. Because there's just not enough Organ donors. Okay. And it's easy to do. You just sign up, check that little box when you renew your driver's license. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. So, yeah. So with that being said, how important is it for people to be organ donors? Very important. You can't use them where you're going. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And I guess there's a lot of uh, religion beliefs and, that's and fine. personal and, beliefs. And that Those people can be weighed out. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't see any other reason why you, you can't really come up with a good excuse 
not to be an organ donor, I don't think. Especially if you're saving <laughs> lives or even, I think you had mentioned the one case where, you know, the uh, retinas. The retinas you can use. Even if you even if you, if you had died on impact somewhere and your body's physically not alive, uh-huh. they can still use like skin tissue, bone, and corneas from yeah. your eyes. Yeah. In fact, I had, uh, I just had recent jaw surgery. And they probably had cadaver. And they had, and I have cadaver bone in my, uh, in my jaw, you know? So, you know, it, it grows, it, it's, it's all, it's all there. So just one organ donor can save eight lives. Wow. And tissue and organ donor can improve the lives of 75 people. Okay. Wow. And nationally, so, uh, there's like 110,000 people waiting for transplants in this country. Did you say 110,000 people waiting? And you realize there's almost 3 million people die in this country every year? We should be in a surplus of organs. Yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah, it is. So I'll, I'll be forthright and say I've always been skeptical of the organ donor because. Yeah. I just and you think you, you see it's a misconception. You think they're not going to try to save your life, exactly? Hospital. No, because they don't even know you're an organ donor hmm. unless you tell them. But they're not their job, hospital's job is to save your life. That's what they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I and my wife calls me crazy for this too because she's an organ donor, <laughs> and I definitely need to reconsider. Yeah. Um, but she, I've always said like, well, you know, what if there's a famous celebrity that needs a lung and I'm a match for him? Well, this guy's, well, let's get rid of him and let's save the celebrity. It's just, yeah, but you know what, Troy, you're now a celebrity too. (laughs) I guess, I guess. (laughs) So you're okay. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. You know, you could save the life of a a young person who can live a full mm-hmm. life. Uh, I just and, and, actually... and you know what? It should hit me harder um, because my my grandmother got an extra 11 years out of her life because she got a lung transplant. Oh. Um, my, uh, a good friend of mine uh, with cystic, fibro- cystic fibrosis, she got a lung transplant. Yeah. She got a double lung transplant, oh, actually. So, um, Do you know yeah, uh, so... Mike Sephore from the Eagle Hotel? Yes. His granddaughter had a heart transplant. Uh, yeah, a couple yeah. years ago, oh, Leona. My. So, oh wow! And she's doing well. Okay. So that, and she, I'm not sure how old she is. She's uh-huh. Maybe six or seven, maybe. Oh my god! So that's, I guess, that's where I was going to lead you next. Um, I don't know if it's different with different organs. Um, my grandmother, when she got her transplant, they they basically said this this will probably give her like another ten years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, is is anything like that said with the heart transplant? Well, the, they don't tell you an exact because you know it all depends all depends how you match up with the heart you know they have different sure. criteria as to what they're looking for you know uh-huh. blood type you know that's a big factor sure the size of you the size of the donor mm-hmm. how the actual every heart's different not it's not a plug and play thing you know hearts are turned in different bodies and the 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 the, the, the arteries and, and veins all, don't always line up correctly so they got to shave things and turn the heart and make it fit mm-hmm and, and and the medication is plays a big factor. If you're regimented in your medication and they have it correct and adjusted right, you know you could. I uh, let's see what's the longest donor that I know right now. I think she is twenty seven years out. Oh wow! Years. Oh wow! Yeah, she's out a long okay. time. Okay, so you can you can truly live a full. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you full can live the rest of your pos- life. You yeah, know, positive you can, life. Yeah. And, uh, and if you get one that young, when you're younger, you know, you eventually may need to get another one. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep continuing. 
you know. So how did, um, I, I guess, I don't even know where I was trying to go with this. I already forgot what I was trying to call here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, oh, I know what I was going to say. How, how does this affect you now or even directly afterwards? Was there a, how long was it until you could start doing things again? And do you still have any physical limitations because of it? Uh, it took a while to really get recuperated for, because I was down so long. And I don't know if it's the same with a lot of, a lot of people aren't or were not as bad maybe as I was as far as being bedridden. And I really, and they say the healthier you are going in the shorter term of recovery you have. And, and I do believe that because you're, if you're not bed for a month, you're, you know, you have that atrophy mm-hmm. setting in. And your muscles start. I was going to say it's more than your heart; it's your yeah. other organs and yeah. your you muscles, just, and yeah, so you forth. You just start shutting down. But I was in physical therapy uh, just a couple of weeks or so afterwards, just to learn how to walk again, mm-hmm. and and motor skills, just to learn how to pick up a fork, a yeah. spoon, and you know, it's like a toddler all over again. Kind yeah, of. I'm sure that's what my wife would say. <laughs> yeah, but she's always said that. Yeah, no, she still says that. So. <laughs> uh, but, Wow. Yeah, so it, it took a while and I I know remember the Camp Mac we went there mm-hmm. that was in January of two thousand fifteen. Yep. And I was ready for, and I was hiking up and down the mountains that time. Yeah. So yeah. I took me I I worked hard for three months to get to that point where I could hike up and down. Yeah, that. I remember not, and you were also biking and yeah. such. And that's not a nice mountain to go up and down. No, no. That's amazing. That's really amazing mm-hmm. actually. It is. And now, and at this point now, there's no other physical limitations? Like it's Just what you set for yourself, really. I mean, mm-hmm. with, you know, right now, you're kind of limited what you do because of what's going on. But, yeah. Uh, right, but no, I mean, because of your condition. No, no, I'm pretty pretty good as far as that. You know, I still kind of watch, you know, try to watch what you eat. Sorry. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Try to watch what you eat. And, and this year's just, like, I'm trying to, uh, this year's just been kind of crazy trying to get anything in exercise and just, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'm sure now what um i was there was another question i was going to lead off of that and i keep losing my train of thought <laughs> I don't know why. you're a mess today i am, I am. I like the limitations you know you, you still you still you know the medications kind of mess with you so you, it messes with your sleep it messes with your 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 sanity i want to call it Get you a little hyper, mm-hmm. you know, agitated. Oh, I know. I know agitated where I was going to go now. I get a little more agitated quickly. Maybe that's because of age and medication induced. <laughs> I don't know. My wife will say it's just me, but yeah. <laughs> um, the condition was purely in the heart, the disease. Correct. So, any so when that heart was removed, that there, there's no way that can, that disease is going to come back to you. It doesn't stay in your blood per nope. se. It was just a genetic marker mutation in the heart muscle itself because it's different muscle than any part of your body wow okay that's specific mm-hmm. genetic mm-hmm. corruption in the heart muscle so so how like obviously you you kind of divulge the symptoms and everything like that but like like for myself i like i like to go running and uh and lifting and all that stuff uh what is it like like, how do I just out of the blue say, you know what, maybe I should just get checked just to be on the safe side? How does somebody do that? Well, you should get a physical anyway every yeah. day after a certain age. That's true. 50. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of physical, yep, yep. I'm no, not there yet, no, by the way. No. But, no, I, I think if, you, if you're if you worried about it, especially if you have, I would only really. 
more if it's like family. I would say if it was more history, family history, or you're having issues. You know, Mm -hmm. if you feel weird things going on, I would get checked. Okay, call your family doctor up first and have them schedule something with the cardiology people. Sure, sure, for sure. Whether you go to, you know, Lebanon area or the Hershey area, Uh doesn't matter. And oh, I know another question I was going to ask. It's it's kind of a question that doesn't relate specifically to you, but isn't Hershey Med? Isn't that where the first ever heart transplant Mm -hmm. was? Okay, that's what I thought. I, think, well, I, didn't know I don't know if it was there, or it might have been New York, maybe. I think New York. I think uh, uh, the New York was the first heart. Oh, uh, okay. Plant. But Hershey was one Hershey, of the... Yeah, Hershey had, did the... Uh, uh, they, they were the first ones to come up with the artificial. Oh, that's right. Hershey, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah so, I remember hearing that now, yes. Yeah, they were the first artificial heart. Okay, yep. That makes and sense. That's a... A weird piece of apparatus there. I can imagine. <laughs> were you an option for that? No, it actually, they weren't really using those yet that I okay. know of. They actually only started using them in like the following year, like the beginning of the following year in people. Oh, okay. They, they were still kind of trying them, I think, and I don't know how much success they were having. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about them. Yeah. I do know two people that have had it, mm-hmm. and one is not with us anymore. It's just he had some other complications. Gotcha. Uh after the his transplant, after they took, they called it a ta, a total artificial heart. Okay, but it wasn't. It, he didn't perish because of that. It was afterwards with he had ended up having uh, cancer. They mm-hmm. found and that, then he stopped taking his medication, which gotcha. ultimately turned into basically rejection and heart failure. Yeah, and he died. Okay, but the other guy I know who had it uh, probably about mm, six months or so after that. He's doing really well with okay. his. Um, he, he's a little over two years out. Okay. Three, or three years out, I think, now. And he's doing pretty well with his. So yeah. I, I know he's got some agitation problems and medication's not nice and it's expensive. And Sure, know, it just, sure. But it, it you got to take the meds. If you yeah. don't take the meds on a regimented time, you have issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, so is there, like, any type of organization that you would like to acknowledge or kind of throw out there that you know that has helped you through things well or? it's basically pretty much the hershey medical system you know okay. the, the staff at the you know all the, the heart doctors and the, and the uh, transplant team are fabulous out there yeah and you know gift of life for just being what they doing what they do you know mm-hmm. they're the ones that are putting all the research in and they actually have facilities where you could actually i know philadelphia they actually can harvest they have doctors down there that do it for nothing to harvest organs. Oh from wow! Them. And they, you know, so it's those those they they put a lot of time in. Yeah, you know. Okay, awesome. And I don't know much about the life anew or the gift anew down in North Carolina, but yeah, they're all in contact with each other. So it's basically the whole organization like that. Yeah, know? I was gonna say there's probably one big linkage, and it call it's all part of UNOS, which I'm not really sure what the acronym is on all that. But okay, it's a federally mandated. How do you spell that? Not sure. Okay. <laughs> UNOS, I don't know. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but it's a basically, that's where kind of everybody peels from. Uh-huh. They're, you know, when they can look up to see where they can draw their organs from, basically. Gotcha. You know? That's really impressive. This is just the whole thing. And I'm glad we can, like, bring awareness to something like this because... Yeah. Like, just gotta I, sign I, I up would there, never Troy. anything like this. Hey, Troy. What's sign, that? You got, just got to sign up. <laughs> I know you're right. I do. I do. You're right. Yeah, and, and in uh, all you're, honesty, you're right. it is it is UNOS. It is U N O S, okay. and it's the United Network for Organ Sharing. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Awesome. 
Yeah, and honestly, and I and I know we we kind of joked around about it, but yeah, I mean, there really isn't a reason to not be an organ donator. Uh, I mean, I mean, I was I was like you, Troy. I was very hesitant. In fact, it wasn't until maybe six, seven years ago that I actually clicked on yes for organ donator, and um, and um, and I had sort of the same reservations you know it's like they're going to look at my license and they're, they're gonna not going to save you yeah they're not going to save me and uh and i had that same reservation and i'm like you know what i'm at the point in time in my life where i'm like you know what? why not be able to save someone else um if my life is not going to be able to be saved at the moment so let's just go ahead and go through with the process and and get it over with yeah. and uh doesn't cost you anything no it doesn't cost you anything it's very encouraged and uh yeah so I definitely, uh, I definitely think it's a good thing, and and like you said, you know, how many people are on that waiting list again? One hundred ten thousand. Yeah, one hundred ten thousand people are on that waiting list, and over Almost. and millions of people are dying every single year. So why not? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, those numbers should be. I mean, that waiting list should be so much lower. Oh yeah, just it because it of that. Not be a waiting yeah, list. I was gonna say there shouldn't even be a waiting list. You know, now granted, some of them aren't going to be viable. You have elderly people that. Sure, that you physically can't donate. My, I'm going to tell you a little story. My my uncle had a transplant, like uh, I'm going to say eight years ago. He had a liver transplant. Okay, and he actually, I'm trying to think how old he was in his 60s when he had the transplant, and he actually got the liver from an older guy. Oh wow, isn't that something? And he's still doing well with it. Okay, (laughs) that's awesome. Well. You can't. I shouldn't say you're never too old to donate. I'm not sure. I have to, I'm, I'm not sure to, there's a there's a cutoff there, but I'm not sure what. But it you is. know what though? I can see I can see uh, an unlimited age with things like bone, yeah, and skin in some cases. So I can I can definitely see that. So, but yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we got to chat with you, Brian. This is uh, I learned a, I learned a lot about you, even though I've known you for um, yeah. over 17 years. So it's a story to yeah, brag was... about. No, of course not, of course not. But you know what? Yeah, this, though? It's it was not very bad. informative. Very yeah, informative. very informative. And I and I think that's it's not that you're bragging about it. No, no, no. And you know, obviously, and, and I've always known about your your entire family on your dad's side. Basically, has right. passed away and. And I've always wanted to like kind of dig a little bit in there and see like where your thought process is about. There's scary that. things when you dig up stuff in me. Oh, <laughs> <I'm> I, <kidding. laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Hey, we all have scary things to dig up. Trust yeah. me. Even Troy. Uh, not Troy. Mister Perfect. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anything else, Troy? No, uh, no. Um, good information. Um, you know, and I got to do my part and sign up for the organ donation as well. Yeah. Um, and we'll keep I think, I think this interview. Okay. I think this interview really helped me uh, look that way and convinced me that I should be doing that. Yeah. Look at that! But you know, recovering from a transplant is no easy task. I mean, it's you got to put work and commitment in it, and you know, yeah. you have to want to survive. You have to mm. want to. I mean, they 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 do do a mental check on you to make sure you're mentally sane or mentally. Mm-hmm. coherent there to accept a transplant mm-hmm. because it's right there's there's a lot in your mind after a transplant i was know, just gonna say there's a lot mm-hmm. that you even i'm sure still go through um and deal with there's some things i probably don't talk about i should sometimes mm-hmm. you know especially with my wife and yeah. friends and family things you know that may weigh on my mind here and there but mm-hmm. 
you know, it's just something that comes along with the territory of getting a transplant. You yep. know? And it's a lot to deal with because you actually physically have someone else's part in your body. Yeah. Yeah, somebody else had to die for you to, and that's to, the, to, for and you that, to live. And that's the hardest thing. Whether you're a Christian or you believe in God or anything like that, it's still you're still thinking, look, I'm not wishing somebody to die so I can get a transplant, but somebody does have to die for me to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's a hard thing for mentally to push yourself through sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Well, um, and, and in my circumstances, for me, I have a lot more weighing because – Everybody in my family died of this. Why didn't they get a transplant? Why did I? Yeah. You know, yeah, like how was your why life did, Why did I deserve it? They were probably better people than I am. I shouldn't say, you know. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I mean, in all honesty, it's, life is the luck of the draw. Yeah. You know, um, I could drop dead tomorrow and be perfectly healthy, yeah. you know. And here you were. You were on death's door and didn't die. In fact, you know, you survived, what, six plus years later. Yeah. And here you are today, still. I put able a little more weight than I went on. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but you're I gotta, alive. I got to get back into my. You and I need to go work out. I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> need to join Howie on those runs. That's oh, right. <laughs> I run near your house. There's no reason why you I'll couldn't join. As you go, I'll hold up. I'll get. I'll get a bottle of water for you, and I'll sit oh, there okay. in the driveway. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Well, hey, Brian. Once again, I already know you and met you, so but I I appreciate you coming here to Howie Studios. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy you had me here because I like to tell the story yeah. when I can and like to get the information out for the gift of life people especially right now because they can't mm-hmm. they're kind of trapped indoors do right they now too. do they live off a donation yeah that and i i don't there's i don't i'm not sure if they're federally funded or if okay. they're just strictly donations so i'm sure they get some kind of grant uh i would imagine work yeah, yeah. And, and I, I can't imagine some big organization like that actually had a folder yeah. donations yeah. i actually had a folder i wanted to bring along but i couldn't find it okay and i had dwendy johnson who is one of the gift of life people that i know she sent me uh an email with some of it on, but I okay. thinking through it's a little precarious yeah. here. So, <laughs> well, hey, you know what though? Anybody who wants to learn more about it, check out the Gift of Life and call. And- we'll, we'll see if we can add yeah. some links when we share the podcast. Yeah, definitely, yeah. we'll do that. I'll yeah. send this to Howie. The email that I got, maybe he can copy okay that and paste that off. Yeah, there, we'll so. definitely do that. So, but yeah, hey, thanks again, Brian, and uh, um, great hearing that story, man, and. Uh, I can't yeah. wait to hear the story of when you get to meet the uh, donors. Yep. Yeah, the I actually have a letter donors. if you would like to read it. Yeah, sometime Maybe I will. You can well, read not, it all, yeah, <laughs> not right now, but... <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. yeah. I had gotten a letter from Okay. Not only was it a pleasure talking to you and meeting you, but I'm, I'm glad we got the ability to still talk to you. That yeah. was yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's a great story. It really is. So, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, thanks again, and... Uh, you know, once again, we're talking to somebody who has a, well, this time it's a passion to live, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, that's awesome. So, hey, great talking to you again, you Brian. Too. And uh, thanks for stopping by. I know this was a long trip for yeah. you. And uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. That was our interview with Brian Disler. And uh, and I, I guess I'll ask you, Troy. I know uh, I know you had mentioned in the interview, uh, you know, you were not a donor. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your thought process now? Are you still in the thought of maybe I should or maybe I shouldn't or what? No, I'm definitely in the thought process of maybe I should. Okay. Um, I, I think a little bit of it's, you know, maturity as you get older. And, yeah. um, you know, but then also hearing the story there. Um, and I, I believe he said what 
one person's organs can save did he say eight 11 people, people? Are, oh I was did, it eight okay. i thought it was eight but it, yeah, it might, okay. i might be off on that but even so i mean yeah. that's you know what i mean that's that's pretty incredible exactly um, and even even as much as maybe not saving somebody's lives but maybe giving them eyesight again or you know what i mean oh like, i know i know and and so. people can donate by the way in fact i um i have an uncle who I want to try to try to think if he donated a piece of his liver or, or kidney or I forget how that works, but uh, you know he's obviously still alive and he was mm-hmm. able to donate. In fact, he's a huge Buffalo Bills fan, by the way. Well, he's and, a smart uh, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, <laughs> but but you know he he's an organ donor and and he's still around to uh, live and talk about it. So yeah. Um, so yeah. Um... If you go to organdonor.gov, mm-hmm. um, when you go in there, you can pick which state you're from, and it'll direct you to whatever website you need to go to become an organ donor if you are not. Yeah. So like, like please here, look into that. Yeah, like here in PA, I believe uh, Brian went to, what, Gift of Life? And uh, and he's part of that organization. And uh, But, yeah, really interesting like story like you even we you and I were talking before the, uh, the um, podcast um, recording today. And we were talking about how, you know, what what has to happen for you to even be considered an organ donor. You got to be too right. sick, you know, almost too sick to to live without one, and you got to be healthy enough to where you can receive it. So you and recover be, from it and right. recover from it. So you got to be in that happy medium. And man, um, a lot of things not only not only meet that criteria, but also. You have to be a perfect match mm-hmm. for whoever that donor is. Like in in Brian's case, this person happened to uh, die. What was it from a, a an ATV accident? Yeah, he said he got hit by a car when he was on an ATV or yeah, a truck or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So so things kind of happened in a weird way for him to be able to receive that, and uh, and and he's obviously not alone. There's a lot of people out there that are waiting for those oddities to happen. Uh, yeah, you know, to be eligible to receive a heart or any yeah. organ for that matter. And then another thing that was interesting too was how they uh, they denied the first two, you know, yeah. that came in. And you know what? I want to ask you that, Troy. Um, if mm-hmm. you were that person laying in bed, um, yeah. what? I I mean, you heard what I said. I I basically was like, I'm taking the first one that comes out and and, right. and is eligible. What would you have done? Well, I think I would have. I don't know. It's. I think I would have had to have known how often I'm hearing that ones are coming in. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, if if I'm hearing, yeah, there's you know, you might get an opportunity once every you know week, whatever that type okay. of thing. Well, I might be a little bit more picky. Um, <laughs> but if I'm hearing, hey, maybe only one every two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. And I'd be like, uh, if one comes in, I'll take it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. it kind of depends on the, the scenario. But, yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Like, um, hey, here I am sitting on a deathbed and things aren't going well. And, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Might not, I might get a heart that uh, isn't in the greatest condition. But if it gives me another 10 years, hey, I'll take it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of found like some interesting stats here. Twenty people die daily waiting for a transplant. Yeah, there are thirty nine thousand seven hundred eighteen people currently 
on a waiting list as we speak, not just heart transplant, but like all organ transplants. Right. So, uh, I mean, those numbers are, are astonishing. And what did he say in regards to numbers? Um, something like uh, for every for every uh, death or something, like it's a really small percentage. And Well, it's only 60% of the folks out there that are actually uh, signed up as a donor. Okay. Um, so think about that. You know, out of that – out of however many people die – in a year, you know, whether it's a mm-hmm. million people or whatever it is, you know, take 40% of that. That's 400,000 people uh, yep. have died without being eligible to donate their organs. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty astonishing. Yeah. And like he said, um, you know, you'd think we'd have a surplus of organs, not a, not a. Uh, a waiting list. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, uh, but yeah, um, so, uh, cool. So yeah, go to organdonor.gov and, uh, figure out where you can go to, to donate your organs, uh, if something were to happen to you and, uh, help save somebody else's life. Most definitely. Well, with that being said, Troy, uh, I think it's time for you to get out there and, uh, do some cheering. Yeah. And, uh, cheering for my cheerleader. That's right. Cheering for your <laughs> cheerleader. And, uh, and you know what too, and I want to bring this up, uh, obviously this is the week of nine eleven. So, uh, uh yeah. you know, folks don't hesitate to listen. We have a, a couple of cool interviews, uh, on here, including your uncle, uh, Paul, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who was a, a pretty amazing, um, uh, veteran himself in the stuff that he did. And, uh, and then also my neighbor, uh, Andy, uh, Andy Worley, you know, there's a lot of cool stories to be had, uh, during these times and, why not spend this week listening to some uh, local heroes and and also pay attention to the heroes in your own backyard and uh, mm-hmm. give them some props because uh, without them, you know, we wouldn't be able to be sitting here and talking to you and you wouldn't be able to do a lot of things that you guys do out there. So uh, yep. take advantage of that and uh, and give someone some thanks. So, so with that being said, Troy, uh, I think it's time to uh, close it out. Yep. Till next week, we'll... Uh... You know, we'll talk again. We'll see. We we do have a a potential another interview lined up. Um, so yes, you know, hopefully everything goes through with that, and we'll have another interview for you next week. Excellent. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Until then, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to another episode. Please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Stay Tuned TNH. Email us Stay Tuned TNH at gmail dot com. And uh, whichever podcast avenue you're listening to us on, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And until next week, stay tuned.